Welcome to the Tummy Team Journey Podcast. I'm Kelly Dean, physical therapist and founder of the Tummy Team. This podcast shares the personal journeys of Tummy Team clients as they restore their core and pursue being strong to be pain-free and connected for the life they were meant to live. And welcome to this episode of the Tummy Team Journey podcast. This is Kelly Dean, physical therapist and founder of the Tummy Team. And most of our episodes are going to be interviews of clients that have their own personal Tummy Team journey story that we interview and we talk about what's going on with them. But occasionally, I am going to do an episode like today where I share some information, some education about our specialty at the Tummy Team and specifically go over things that maybe have come up in other podcasts that need to be expanded on so that people have a really good understanding of what we do, but also how we can help you. So today's episode is called A Journey of Self-Assessment. And at the Tummy Team, I work with clients struggling with functional core weakness and often diastasis recti, which is a separation of the abdominals. But the biggest issue we consistently see with our clients is poor body awareness and disconnect. Often clients have no idea what their body is saying to them or what to do about it. So self-assessment is actually a journey. It's kind of like an art form. It's a skill. My passion is to help people understand what is really going on in their own bodies so that they can heal and be strong and pain-free for the life they were meant to live. We say that a lot, the Tummy Team. We really genuinely want people to have the tools they need to be strong and to not feel like their body is broken or falling apart and to understand what their body is saying to them when it is possibly failing them. People are scared to start online rehab. All of our programs are online now, and it's interesting how effective online can be, but how hard it is to start an online program. And I think some of that is because clients don't trust their ability to assess their own body. They're not sure if they can accurately tell you what's going on. And I'm here to tell you that you know more about your body than you think you do. You may not know how to interpret what your body is telling you, but a lot of what I do in the initial sessions with my clients is ask them just a ton, a ton of questions and then help them decipher what the answers to those questions kind of mean. So today I'm going to go through how we help you do just that for yourself. Each of our courses have an initial and a final self-assessment form embedded into the course. Um, Sometimes on our longer courses, we have a halfway check-in point as well. And these assessments are very similar to the questions that I'm going to, that I ask clients in the clinic and that I'm going to go over with you today. So I just want to always start with a disclaimer that taking an honest and comprehensive inventory of what is really happening in your body can be a bit overwhelming. 
A lot of times we are disconnected and we ignore stuff that's going on in our body and we power through pain and we minimize um, our symptoms. And when I ask you to actually take some time to not do that and to be honest about what's going on in your body, it can feel pretty overwhelming. But do not panic. Um, You must acknowledge what is truly going on to be able to effectively treat it. Ignoring or minimizing symptoms does not help anything get better. So I don't want to like draw over dramatize what's going on in your body, but I also don't want to minimize it either. So it's important to just acknowledge it as objectively as you can. And that's a, that's a hard thing because a lot of times once you start to think about how your body is maybe not functioning the way you need it to, it can feel very emotional. There's a lot of emotions tied to that. And that's part of it. That's an important piece for you to acknowledge and to not run away from. So try to trust me in this process. um, And that it is a process, but that self assessment is going to help you so much. So we're going to listen to each section of the self assessment. Um, that we're going to go through. And I want you to be honest about the answers. Try not to overthink anything. All the information is helpful, but consider how you feel and function about 80% of the time. Like kind of don't, don't fixate on maybe just one episode that happened. However, that one episode might be really significant, but kind of look at what you're feeling kind of most of the time. Um, And it's how you feel and overall feeling, even if it seems a little subjective or emotional in nature, is important and it tells you something. So trust your instincts, okay? So we're going to start with pain. Um, The first thing that people will often minimize because they will say, you know, I have a really high pain tolerance or kind of like, oh, everybody has pain with this. What I always tell people is that Pain is um, is not necessarily negative or positive. It feels like a negative feedback, right? It is negative feedback, but it's not negative in nature. It's just your body telling you that something is not working and another part is being forced to do something that's not supposed to do or there's a piece that's broken and we need to address it. So ignoring pain doesn't make it go away. It typically pushes your body into moving that pain into another area that you maybe you'll make more pay more attention to or making the pain in that first area big enough so that you will actually pay attention to it. So a couple things to think about with pain. Where do you have pain? Is it low back pain? Is it mid back pain? Is it upper back pain? Is it abdominal pain? Is it sciatica? Is it hip pain? Um, Is it pelvic floor pain? Um, Kind of all of those different areas. We specialize in core and pelvic floor, so I'm kind of focusing on those. If you are saying, I have pain in different areas, then as we go through the self-assessment, you kind of need to pull out the different areas. So if you have sciatica pain, that may look very different than your mid-back pain. So you may need to do kind of this assessment with each different pain. And I encourage you, if you're resonating with this, is to just pause right now and get a pad of paper and kind of pause as you go to write down what you need to write down because it can be very valuable. All right. So where do you have the pain? 
That's the first question. When do you have this pain? Okay. Do you have it all the time? Do you have it only in the morning? Do you have it only um, at, when you're doing laundry? Do you have it just randomly during your menstrual cycles? Do you have it just after sex? Do you have it when you have a bowel movement? Do you have it when you are at the end of your day and um, trying to rock your baby to bed? You know, when exactly do you have the pain? Um, and identify any triggers that you might find. So it, if you always wake up with pain and it gets better as the day goes on, that tells you something or tells us something. If you have pain at the end of the day, it's like kind of a fatigue, your muscles are worn out, that tells us something else. But there could be other triggers like um, you only have pain when you in your mid-back when you're holding the baby. Um, you only have pain in your low back when you're doing the dishes. You only um, have pain when you are, um, you know, bending forward over the bathtub to wash your toddler's hair. Okay. Like those are important things and don't minimize those because that's telling you that these certain movements are triggering it. And maybe there's something else going on as well. So a lot of times we'll say like, is it in the morning? Is it in the evening? Is it fatigue related? Is it specifically related to a chore? Um, bending, lifting, um, sitting, standing, that kind of thing, kind of trying to focus on which when you have that pain and kind of writing down when it is. And you might have to really think about it because a lot of times we, um, we've ignored pain for long enough that we can't tell where it's at. Okay, so then we need to get down to how intense is the pain. And so every, most of you have heard probably of the zero to 10 pain scale, but a lot of people do not use it very effectively. We minimize pain or we don't know exactly which number. So I'm going to kind of describe how we describe the pain scale. So zero is no pain. Uh, you don't feel any discomfort, any tension, any, any pain at all. One is like a whisper. Um, it's, it's, you feel it, it doesn't really affect you too much and it's kind of comes and goes, but it's just, it's just a whisper of tension or discomfort Two, it's a little bit louder of a whisper. Um, you can mostly ignore it. It doesn't make you change a lot, but you know, it's there. It's kind of like background noise. Three, um, it's, it's a whisper, but you, you find yourself avoiding specific things or changing positions or stretching or doing something to address. It. It's a little bit louder, harder to ignore for, um, you really, you are conscious about things that you're avoiding. You're very intentional about things that you try not to sit too long. You try not to sit on that couch or you, um, only lift the baby for a certain period of time, something like that. Five, um, it's, it's pretty much, you can't ignore this for sure. And you are thinking about, maybe haven't taken any medication, but you're thinking about either taking meds or doing something. Maybe you're not somebody that takes medication. You're thinking about laying down or ice or heat, but you're not necessarily having to do it yet, but you're thinking about those things. Um, and maybe you're, you're limiting or shortening some of your activities, like going for a shorter walk or not vacuuming the house or something like that. Six, um, you feel like this is 
consuming you pretty much and you need to do a lot of modifications to your activities. Maybe you're taking Tylenol or Advil. Maybe you are, um, you know, using a hot pack or laying down for part of the day or sitting after a while. Seven, um, even more so than six, you have to limit a lot of what you're doing. You pick and choose when you do specific activities. Um, and it is, it is something that dominates and you're starting to really think I need help from an outside source. I need to go to a chiropractor or a doctor, a massage therapist, physical therapist, something to help me. Eight, you are getting help or you should be getting help. It um, is limiting things that you're doing. You have to cut out certain things that you're doing. Um, you feel like you need medication, whether or not you choose to take it. Um, you cannot get through your daily routine without help. Nine, um, it is all-consuming. You you can't think about anything else. Um, it limits you. It stops you from doing almost everything. Um, and ten, you need to be in the emergency room. There's like you can, you're gonna lose your mind if you do not get help. Okay, I know that's pretty dramatic, but that is the pain scale. Okay, so. Um, Really recognizing what if somebody is in a 10 out of 10 pain, it is very difficult to maintain that to live in that very long. Um, so you know, our goal is to get most people down to between a one and a two and it be intermittent and then know what causes it and how to address it. So anything beyond that. Um, on a regular basis is pretty unacceptable and very difficult for you to live with. Okay, so I just want to acknowledge that if you've been living with four, five, six, seven, eight, nine out of 10 pain on a regular basis, your body is really screaming for help. And I encourage you to start looking at what it's saying. Okay. Now, the next thing is, what kind of pain is it? Is it sharp? Like a stabbing pain? Um, like kind of comes out of nowhere um, and it's really sharp and intense or is it kind of a dull or throbbing or naggy kind of pain? Does it feel achy, um, like really related to fatigue or long, like kind of bothering you? Um, does it radiate? Does it shoot down your leg? Does it shoot up your neck? Does it shoot around your rib cage? Does it shoot into your tummy? Um, recognizing some of those different things, um, because they tell you different things, uh, you know, sharp pain, um, can, it can be something that's like, uh, really out of alignment and your body is like almost spasming as a result, an achy or dull, it could be more like a muscle is fatiguing out and failing you over time, um, or really gripping and compensating and trying to hold you radiating means typically that a nerve is involved. Um, so those are all things that we need to acknowledge and understand. And then how often do you have the pain? Is it constant? Like all the time, you don't have a break from it. Is it intermittent? It kind of comes and goes related to maybe some of the stuff we said below or above. Um, is it every day? Is it once a week? Is it once a month? Is it only during ovulation? Is it only, you know, um, you know, at certain times of the year when you start running again, it does it feel random? I always say, does it feel random? Because most pain is not random. Um, but does it feel random where you can't kind of tell what triggers it? That kind of thing. Um, so that is your pain assessment. And I want you to do that for each 
different pain you have. And when I remember what I said, where it can be overwhelming, um, this is where that could be overwhelming. If you've been powering through pain or you've even been searching for pain relief, and I'm telling you to really um, detail out the level of what you've been suffering through, um, it can be really hard. But this is just your starting point, and we need to know the starting point so that we can, you know, see your progress. One of the interesting things about our body is we are we are a negative feedback system. We only notice when things are broken. We rarely notice when things are not. So as pain goes away, we don't notice that it's gone. We only notice that it's there. So if we don't document the beginning of the process and notice that what pain you started with, you might get to the end of your your rehab process and, and not even know that you went from a nine out of 10 pain down to a zero out of 10 pain, because now you have zero out of 10 pain. And I think it's important to celebrate that and, and to honor what your body has done. So um, it's important to write down the symptoms, even if it feels really hard at the beginning. Okay, so the next thing that we're going to look at, and we're going to talk about in the self assessment is Kind of describe how you feel overall when you think about your core or if pelvic floor is your, your, your struggle, your core, your pelvic floor area of your body. And I, I specifically use the word feel because I want to actually address the emotional component right now. And I'm choosing to talk to you about this after we just talked about pain um, because that sometimes, you know, stirs up some feelings. Your feelings are telling you part of the story, not always the whole story, but a part of the story. So it's important to acknowledge that. So the most common words that we use with people or or kind of offer to people when we say, how do you feel? Do you feel weak and disconnected? Do you feel broken? Do you feel sad, frustrated, hopeless, desperate, angry, ashamed, hopeful? Maybe you're hopeful because you're starting a process or something else. Is there some other afraid, um, some other feeling that you're feeling when you think about, are you scared to hope? That's a really common one. Um, Do you hate your core or your tummy or your pelvic floor? Do you hate it? Are you so angry? You know, it's important to write that down because it does kind of tell you and tells us where you are starting and how hard this part of the process has been. And maybe you've never even thought about how do I feel about this? You've just buried it. So I encourage you to take a minute and think about that Um, because that, and remember how I said, um, try not to overthink about it, overthink it or minimize it. Okay. All right, so our next question is going to be about your posture, all right? Posture is a big deal when it comes to core and pelvic floor because your posture, um, the core and pelvic floor are postural muscles. So when, how, how your posture functions or what kind of posture you have usually really translates into how your core and pelvic floor are functioning. So the first question is, um, do you feel like you can stand up well without pain or fatigue? Yes or no? Like just standing. Can you stand without pain or fatigue? Um, Do you sit on your tailbone kind of collapsed where you're kind of uh, sitting on your tailbone with a rounded lower back and collapsed over? Or do you sit on your sit bones 
and elongated, really tall. The, this tells us a lot about your pelvic alignment um, and tells us kind of where uh, that, how much your core can hold you up. So if you're feeling like you're kind of collapsed and rounded, like I, I call it a kidney bean posture um, versus a string bean posture, I need, you need to know that. And again, what does it look like most of your day? Do you notice yourself doing any of the following when you're standing for any length of time? Do you feel like you need to lean on the counter or rest into one hip or lock your knees um, or shift your weight constantly? Um, can you sit on a bleacher or a bench without back support for more than 10 minutes without fatigue or pain? When you're sitting, do you feel like you always want to sit on one foot or cross a leg to feel comfortable? Um, any other observations you have about your posture, uh, like you always hold one shoulder up or you're always uh, feel like one leg um, wants to lock, something like that. Kind of think about your posture um, because it does it does uh, tell us something. And um, this is going to be also as you journey through, you're going to start noticing some big improvements in your posture as your core gets stronger. All right. So now we're going to talk about pelvic floor specifically, and I'm going to start out with questions that are mostly related to women. Um, and then I do have kind of a separate list of questions that are related to men. Um, so the pelvic floor, we call it the floor of your core. It's a group of muscles that support um, the sphincters, uh, you know, of your bladder and your rectum and in women, your vaginal area. Um, but it also is a group of muscles that support your organs in your pelvis and help your digestive system function well, your reproductive system function well, and your urinary tract function well. So these are structural um, and supportive muscles, but because it's the bottom of the core, when the core is weak or when you're in constantly collapsed postures, then the pelvic floor is not in the right alignment and doesn't have the right connection to support those organs. So then we start to see some pelvic floor weakness or dysfunctional symptoms. And we're going to talk about what that might look like. So the first thing is um, consider any incontinence symptoms. So incontinence is just a medical term for leaking urine, like basically wetting your pants when you are not meaning to wet your pants. So anything like that that you might be experiencing. So I'm going to go over a lot of details because different things have different, you know, it, it can help identify what's really going on. The first question is, do you leak with sudden increases of pressure like coughing, sneezing, jumping, or laughing? This is called stress incontinence. Yes or no? And um, we'll talk about how much. So if it's not very often, it's still a yes. But if not really ever or it only happened once, then it would be no. Remember that kind of 80-20 that we talked about? The next question is, do you leak with lesser increases of pressure, just like walking or getting up from a chair or stepping off a step? That's still stress incontinence, but it's definitely a more uh, sensitive. You're more sensitive. Okay, the next one is, do you leak with no relation to any movement or position, such as just lying in bed? Like, there's no, there's no, um, it seems random. There's no precipitating event that caused it, just sometimes you leak. Um, also, do you ever wet yourself before you get to the toilet? 
this is called urgent continence, like you can't quite get there in time. Sometimes urgent continence also feels like uh, you really have a full bladder and you've got, you have no time to get there, but you don't necessarily leak, but you feel like you could. That's another form. But do you wet your pants before you get to the bathroom? Like you don't have any warning. Um, and if yes, does it feel like a strong, uncomfortable urge or do you have no warning at all before you wet yourself? Um, the next question is how many days a week would you say you experience a leaking episode? Like zero to one time a week, so it's less common than that, or two to four times a week, or five to seven times a week. And what, so we want to know how often it's happening, because that tells you a lot too about the extent of the weakness or dysfunction. Um, what percentage of time are you not able to control the leaking? 25% of the time, 50% of the time, 75% of the time all of the time. You cannot control it because sometimes is better than others. Like we'll have clients a lot of times say, you know, I only leak if I have a really full bladder, can't get to the bathroom in time. And then I start having a coughing fit, you know, that's the only time. Um, but if my bladder's full or bladder's empty and I don't, um, cough, I'm fine. Or if my bladder's empty and I cough, I'm fine. You know, or if my bladder's not completely full and I cough, I'm fine. So, you know, kind of thinking about what that looks like. Um, remember what I said about that negative feedback system. A lot of times when women start leaking, they feel like, oh my gosh, I'm wetting my pants all the time. But when we really narrow it down, we can kind of understand when is it happening how much is it happening? And really thinking about the times that your body is actually, your bladder is actually working well and functioning for you. Um, usually when we get to these um, severe episodes where it's, you know, you have no control, it's happening all the time. One of two things have happened. Like there's been a recent injury, maybe you just gave birth and it was very traumatic, or you've ignored symptoms for a really long time, powered through symptoms, continued to run when you were leaking a little bit, and now it's gotten severe enough that it's all the time. Those tend to be the two times where we get really severe. Um, and don't be overwhelmed if it's feeling really severe because there is still a, a, a walking path back to healthy, um, but we have to know where we're starting. Okay. Um, and then, so how often do you wear a pad to deal with leaking? Almost never, sometimes, most of the time, all of the time. Um, and how much leaking do you experience? Just a few drops, a small amount, um, or do you need to completely change your undergarments or a pad when you have the leaking? Okay. So that's a lot about incontinence. Um, for men, um, sometimes there is some of these similar incontinence issues and I would, I would kind of, if, if you're a man and you're dealing with some, some stress incontinence or urge incontinence, I would also look at kind of when do these things happen? How often does that happen? What tends to be the triggers, you know, and kind of write that list down as well. So it can happen with men as well. All right, so the, the, the next question, um, uh, this is also pelvic floor related, and people don't think about it, is consider your intestinal tract function. Um, this is pelvic floor and core related, and men and women. So because the, the digestive system is housed within the core and pelvic floor muscles, so the function of the core and pelvic floor muscles support 
the effectiveness of your intestinal tract. So it's important to to look at how is my intestinal tract functioning because that is a representation often of what's going on in your core and pelvic floor. Um, So the first one is, do you have daily bowel movements? Yes or no? Do you go every day? Do you struggle with constipation? Which can, constipation can can mean I go, I don't go very often, or it can mean when I go, I have to really work to go, okay, either one. So if you are struggling with constipation, um, our first question is how often do you regularly have a bowel movement? Is it like zero to two times a week, three to five times a week, six plus times a week? You go a lot, but it's difficult. What percentage of the time do you feel like you need to bear down to be able to empty your bowels? 10% of the time, 25, 50, 75, 100% of the time. Bearing down is a technique where you hold your breath, you kind of round your body, and you, you kind of bear down, press down, and push everything out. And um, so many of our clients feel like, oh, that's just how everybody poops. That's actually not how your body is supposed to poop. Um, and the fact that you need to do that puts a lot of pressure on your core and your pelvic floor. And it tells us that the pel- the intestinal tract is actually not um, functioning. The peristalsis, the kind of squeeze, release, squeeze, release of the intestinal tract to move your um, stool through your intestinal tract is not is not functioning well. Um, and that can be a lot of reasons. It could have to do with your diet, could have to, to do a lot of things, but there is a functional core um, component to that. Do you struggle with any of the following symptoms? Hemorrhoids, bloating, gas, painful gas, cramping, or irritable bowel syndrome type symptoms where it's like, a combination of maybe diarrhea, loose stools, and then hard stools or painful gas, and then you go, or just things not seeming to work well. And then our last intestinal question is, do you feel heaviness like um, you can't fully empty your bowels? I always say, if you could go more, could you go more? Um, And like where it's like you can't fully get everything out, um, yes or no? And that also ha- is a function of some things going on in your intestinal tract and that we can look at with core um, work, functional core rehab. All right. So, all right. The next the next series of questions with pelvic floor is um, is female related, and it has to do with prolapse. And prolapse is um, is when the organs of your pelvic bowl are pushing or dropping down into an area that they are not supposed to. So there's three main types of um, vaginal prolapse. One is called uh, a cystocele, where the bladder kind of falls into the vaginal canal. One is called a rectocele, where the rectum falls into the vaginal canal. And one is called a uteral prolapse and where the uterus kind of drops down into the vaginal canal. So basically the vaginal canal is not supportive or there's other things going on that's not allowing the structures to stay where they are. So organs are moving places that they're not supposed to. And this can feel like like a heaviness in your pelvic floor. It can feel like a, a heaviness in your vaginal canal. It can feel like... 
um, something's falling out. Um, it can be very, very uncomfortable, or it could just feel like kind of a boggy feeling um, down there. So usually when people have prolapse, they know it. Um, people are like, oh, I'm not sure if I have that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to describe some symptoms. And if these don't resonate with you, then you most likely do not have them. But sometimes people are so disconnected from their pelvic floor, they don't quite know. So the first question is, do you feel like you have heaviness or prolapse symptoms? And the answers are yes, no, or I'm not sure. Um, if you do have that, when do you feel these symptoms? Do you feel them in the morning? when you first wake up, or do you not feel them till the end of the day when you're fatigued? Do you feel them during or after a bowel movement or before a bowel movement? Do you feel them um, after sex? Do you feel them when you've been carrying something for a long time, or you went running, or you were jumping, um, or with certain postures, certain stuff like that? So kind of think about, try to identify when you feel this. And this is really interesting because when, when women have this symptom, these symptoms, they panic and they feel like, I feel it all the time. But when we really dig into it, they often don't feel it all the time, Um but remember, we're a negative feedback system, so we notice when we feel it, not when we don't feel it. So you have to really kind of think through and maybe kind of over the course of a couple of days really identify when am I feeling this because that really is valuable information. All right, and what does it feel like? Does it feel like a heaviness? Does it feel like something is falling out? Is there a bulging? Is there pressure inside the vaginal canal? Do you, if you had a mirror, can you actually see something coming out or feel something coming out? Um, there's all different levels, um, and every every step of it is something that we need to pay attention to. And you don't ever have to say, well, it's not that bad. I'm not going to address it yet. If any of this is happening, we need to address it as soon as possible, okay? And if it's been happening for a long time, you still need to address it as soon as possible, okay? Um, can you identify any triggers for when you're feeling this? And I kind of talked about this already, like fatigue, standing on your menstrual cycle, when your baby wearing, running, those kinds of things. Okay, so all of that is pretty important. The next question has to do with intimacy because that's another function of your pelvic floor. Um, do you have pain during intimacy? Um, and if your answer is yes, you want to think about what that pain is like. Um, is it for, I'm going to talk specifically for women here. Is it during insertion? Is it after insertion? Is it impact pain? Is it positional pain? Is it after, um, after intercourse? Is it, uh, related to, uh, your orgasm at all? All of those things kind of tell you a different thing about what's going on. Um, does the pain increase or decrease in different positions? And would you describe the pain as like a raw feeling, a rubbing feeling, just generally uncomfortable, burning, sharp, dull, um, dry, numb, um, or spasm, kind of cramping? Those are all, there might be a different description that you wanted to use, but those are the common ones that we see. Um, and then some other questions are, do you just feel very disconnected during intimacy where you don't really feel much and don't have very much feeling or pleasure during intimacy? Those are all telling us 
some things about um, your pelvic floor function, okay? And the pelvic floor is part of core. Um, with the, the additional question that we ask for men is related to, are you having any prostate dysfunction symptoms? Are you feeling um, any pressure or difficulty urinating? Are you having any intimacy issues where you're having difficulty with um, sexual function? Are you feeling pressure in your pelvic floor um, area? Those are all things. Prostate, there's a lot of things that could affect the prostate, but the prostate is basically a gland that wraps around the urethra and it's right underneath. It's right at the base of your pelvic floor. So if you have a weak core and poor pelvic alignment and a lot of the pressure of your organs is pressing down, it can cause inflammation of the prostate gland, which can um, look very similar or can function. Inflammation of the prostate gland functions the same as other prostate issues. Um, and so often, sometimes, often, depends on the, the client, when we work on functional core strength and pelvic floor connection and pelvic alignment, pro a lot of those prostate symptoms, if they were related to that kind of pressure, can be resolved. So that's why we ask those questions. Okay, moving right along, lots of personal questions of self-assessment. And you might be thinking, gosh, this might be better for me to do on my own than to do with somebody asking me these questions because they're intimate questions. Um, and it's, they're, they're things that we ignore because we're, they're embarrassing. We don't want to talk about it. Or when we have brought it up to a doctor, they've kind of blown it off. Oh, that happens to everybody. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, I looked in there and everything looks fine. Um, and maybe they have minimized your symptoms. And so... I just want to um, to encourage you to like really think about and do that self-assessment because nobody is living in your body but you. Like this is your body. It's like the only car you get to drive your whole life and you know when the windshield wipers aren't working. You know when, you know, the wheel squeaks when you turn this certain way. Nobody else will really know that, but you do. And you, if we could spend some time looking at what that, what's causing that or helping you address some of those things, then you're going to have this, you know, this body that's going to function for you well, well through your life and function well, okay? All right, so our last main question um, has to do with diastasis and diastasis recti and assessing yourself for a diastasis. And um, so we've talked a little bit about diastasis. And if you follow the tummy team at all, you probably already know about diastasis recti. But for those of you that do not know, diastasis recti is a stretching and a separation of the abdominal wall right down the midline. So where the right and left sides of the abdominals are kind of stretched out and the spot in the middle, there's a gap there. And that gap is supposed to be filled with tight, firm connective tissue. But that connective tissue, instead of being um, thick and firm, is stretched out like cellophane. And it no longer is a really good support system for your organs, and it doesn't allow your core muscles to function properly, and it can present with a lot of problems, including uh, 
like kind of a tenting of your tummy or an alien bulging out or a trench where there's a gap and it's just your stomach kind of falls into like this um, trench between the right and left side. It is contributes to back pain, pelvic floor problems. It's very common in prenatal and postpartum women because of the hormonal changes during pregnancy and the dramatic transformation of your belly that puts a lot of pressure on the connective tissue. But it's also common in men. Um, I would say the men that we see typically are between 50 and 75. We see a lot of men in that demographic that struggle with the diastasis. Um, but you can get it at any age. You don't have to have had a child and you can be male or female to have a separated abdominal wall. And it's important to identify if you have this. It's not the only thing going on, but it does play a role in how you get care. Okay. And a lot of people come to the tummy team specifically for diastasis recti rehab and don't address all of the stuff that we talked about before this and don't even see how all that stuff is connected. And we call that functional core weakness and functional pelvic floor weakness. All of those other symptoms that we've already addressed are connected to this diastasis. Diastasis recti is rarely, if ever, a standalone diagnosis. It's always connected with functional core weakness. So we need to look holistically at the big picture. So to check yourself for a diastasis, it's totally possible to do this, but you need to have a little bit of grace with yourself because most people haven't checked their tummy before and most people don't touch their stomach very often. And I wanna encourage you to be gentle and to be gracious because it can be, feel very vulnerable. We also have a video. We have several videos um, at thetummyteam.com and on our YouTube channel, The Tummy Team, where we show you and walk you through how to check yourself for a diastasis. We have one for men, we have one for women, and we have one for when you're pregnant. So if as I'm describing this, you still don't know what I'm talking about, you can go and look at those videos and that's going to help you um, walk you through it a little bit better, okay? So you are just going to do the best you can. It doesn't have to be absolutely perfect. You'll get a feeling for what's going on pretty quickly in most cases. So you're going to lay on your back on the floor or on your bed and bend your knees up so your feet are flat on the floor. And then you're going to take your hand and you're going to take... Um, your hand flat. So the pads of your fingers, not the tips of your fingers, they're going to be flat and you're going to rest them right at your navel with your fingers pointing towards your toes. Okay. And then I want you to just gently press down with the, your fingers, your pads of your fingers, and then lift your head up. And if you need to lift your shoulders up just a little bit until you feel the right and left side of the abdominal wall kind of bulging and, and pulling up so you can feel the difference between the right and the left and feel any um, integrity of the connective tissue in between. So if you do not have a diastasis, you will feel a very small little dip, kind of like the dip between the knuckles of your pinky and your ring finger. That's called one finger in shallow, and that's usually not considered a diastasis, that's considered normal connective tissue that combine or connects the right and left side of the abdominal wall. If you can fit two fingers, three fingers, four fingers, or more between the right and left side, 
or if you can press in fairly deep where your fingers sink down, those are both considered diastasis, a separation of the abdominal or weakness of the connective tissue or com connecting the two sides of the abdominals, okay? So we want to check right at your belly button and you want, you're going to have a finger measurement, like how many fingers you can fit in. And sometimes you might need to put both hands in. Sometimes if you can't feel the borders much at all, you may need to lift your head up a little bit higher. And then as you lower down, feel where you last felt it. So you don't want to come up really high. You just want to come up enough that you can activate the borders so you can feel. So you're gonna have a number, how many fingers I can fit into that gap. And then you're gonna you're gonna qualify the um, integrity of the connective tissue. It's either gonna be shallow where you can feel the connective tissue right at the top. It's gonna be medium where you can press in but you still feel the connective tissue or it's gonna be deep where you can press in and you don't feel any connective tissue. It just feels like a gaping hole. Okay, so for instance, you might have a three finger wide diastasis that is medium or deep in nature. That's the most common that we see. You're going to check at your belly button. Then you're going to check, do the same exact test about three fingers below your navel. Measure that how many fingers, shallow, medium, or deep, and then three fingers above how many fingers, shallow, medium, and deep. Okay. So that's, um, that's gonna give you your measurement. And if you're not quite sure, so what, three fingers, maybe two fingers, you can put two dash three fingers, four dash five fingers. You know, you just want a starting point, okay? Because you're gonna be the one checking it again later. So you wanna know what you felt the first time so you can compare. All right, do you feel any pulsing, like a pulse when you put your fingers in there? Your abdominal aorta runs down your down that area and if the connective tissue is very thin you might be able to feel the pulse of that abdominal aorta some people have a high pulse which means their their pulse their aorta is more superficial and they can feel it even if they don't have a diastasis um so it's not an all-inclusive thing but it is important if you if you're feeling like it's very deep and i can feel that pulsing i think it's important to write that down are the borders of the muscles very distinct and easy to feel? Like they bulge up. We call that hypertonic rectus abdominis. The outermost abdominal muscles are really overdeveloped compared to the internal muscle. It's a muscle imbalance issue that we work with at the tummy team. Or are they thin and very difficult to feel? Kind of like your belly's more like a deflated balloon and you can't even feel the borders, okay? Um, they, they're both a diastasis, but they are, they have different contributing things. If you have the overdeveloped abdominal, outer abdominal mall, then we're going to need to address that as you go. And it likely will be addressed in the normal process of the rehab. Um, if it's thin and difficult, it's really just telling us that that muscle is very weak in general. Your abdominal wall, entire abdominal wall is weak and ineffective. And if you think about your core muscles as the muscles that hold you up and hold and support your spine and your organs, it's important for that corset that wraps around your body to be meaty and firm, not thin and deflated. And that is, again, what we work with at the tummy team and how we address that. Do you see a trench when you lie on your back? When you look down, does it feel like everything kind of falls into your belly button? 
Or do you sometimes see a bulge or tinting or we call it like an alien-like thing that sticks out when you maybe like try to get out of bed or you're on your hands and knees or you're coughing and you're straining or you do a sit-up? Um, that bulging tells us that your muscles are using a different strategy of bracing instead of engaging and we'll, we need to retrain that. Um, and then tell me what your belly button looks like. Does it stick out? Is it shallow? Is it deep? Does it look normal? Does it look weird? Is it a half any, a half outy? Um, does it have any bulging around it? Um, sometimes your umbilical cord, well, your umbilical cord has a tether that holds to the connective tissue when it's scarred down when you were born. And if you have a really wide diastasis or you've had a lot of pressure on your abdominal wall, then that tether can break and your belly button can either partially or fully detach, leaving you with an Audi or a partial Audi. <laughs> okay. And, um, you know, that's important to know what that, what's going on there. And it's often called an umbilical hernia and it is a form of an umbilical hernia, but it's not the same as a tear in your connective tissue where your organs push out. All right. Um, it's also sometimes helpful to, to look at the nature um, or the consistency of your skin in your around your abdominal area, especially right down the midline. Do you have some excessive skin there? Um, is it sensitive? Does it feel papery? Does it feel firm and normal? Are there just a couple stretch marks? Sometimes if you have a really thin, papery kind of extra skin area, it's really telling us about the blood flow in that area, that your, your skin is not getting a lot of blood flow for it to be um, healthy and nurtured. So that also kind of translates to the connective tissue, probably not getting a lot of blood flow, which is part of the disconnect that we deal with when we are starting um, the rehab process and we're starting to reconnect and getting blood flow into that area. Blood flow is what brings in the nutrients, takes out the toxins and starts to rebuild and re repair areas. So that does help. And then the last question I ask is how did it feel for you to assess your tummy? Um, and it might, you might have a lot of feelings because Sometimes it can be very validating to kind of assess what's going on in there. And other times it can be horrifying and really overwhelming. So are you feeling extra emotional right now? Um, angry? Are you disgusted? Are you feeling really sensitive or vulnerable? Do you feel sad? Are you frustrated by what you felt or what you couldn't feel? Are you interested and you're like, ah, like this is something new for me to think about that I haven't thought about? Are you feeling broken, maybe hopeful, curious, confused, numb? You know, it's, it's important for you to kind of uh, take an inventory of what is going on there so that we can um, really identify if there's maybe any trauma or grief related to how your body has been failing you, okay? In our, in our rehab process, we sometimes will tell people at the beginning, um, you might want to take a picture from the front and from the side, not to obsess over. We are not a program about like getting skinny quick, but sometimes it's hard for you to remember where you are at so, so it can be helpful to kind of take a beginning picture. And this is just for you. We don't ever ask people to send these in. This is just for yourself because it's very vulnerable. And everybody's body type is different. Somebody's 
before pitcher might be somebody else's after pitcher. So it's not about comparing yourself to others or comparing yourself to what the culture says the stomach's supposed to look at. Like it's just saying like, oh wow, now I can see my belly button looks different or now I can see my posture is different. Now I can see the sides of those muscles coming in. Um, we also sometimes will have you take a measurement at your belly button uh, the circumference of your belly and at the biggest part of your belly, which might not be your belly button, might be above or below. Because as your core muscles start to um, activate and elongate you, then you can also see how that number shifts. And everybody heals in a different way. So sometimes people lose a lot of inches off their waist and some other people lose no inches, but eliminate back pain. Everybody has a different journey. So again, it's not about the numbers and it's not about the pictures, but it's just another objective way to start. And I wouldn't fixate on either of those. You know, if you take the picture, you just kind of file it away for later in your rehab process. If you take the measurement, you write it on your form and you file it away for when you check again. Okay. And then the last piece is after you've done this assessment is I think it's really can be really powerful to journal a little bit and just kind of talk about what this means. Like now that you are fully aware of your symptoms um, and unfortunately, the first thing we become aware of is how difficult things really are, or how bad it is or how severe something is. Um, and that can be very overwhelming. But the reality is there is hope and there's a process to slowly be getting your body back um, from this and understanding that pain is telling you something, intestinal dysfunction is telling you something, the diastasis is telling you something. All of these, these things that we've talked to you about addressing today are, are, are you know, your self-assessment to understand, oh, something's going on with my body. And I need to no longer ignore it. And I need to look for a strategy to help me feel better. So this is what we do at the Tummy Team. This self-assessment um, podcast is for you to really take a moment to think about what's really going on in you and to, to address it and to validate that maybe your body needs some help. And we offer that help. We have a very holistic approach and it can start at, at any and every level to help you rehabilitate your core, your pelvic floor, retrain your posture, get your um, body doing the, what it's supposed to do, the way it's supposed to do it. And we give you the right things to do for the right reasons to get the right results. And we want it to be lasting long-term results. So... Taking some time to do some self-inventory and some self-assessment and being honest with yourself um, is a, the starting point for everybody. And I know that this um, might have brought up stuff for you and or it might feel like, oh, you know, I've already done the tummy team and listening to this, I can acknowledge how much better so many of these things are. We love to hear that. We love to hear those stories. But if you have not even thought about that this is even an issue for you, um, you're like, I don't have a diastasis. Oh, I've never had a kid. Or my back pain's not that bad. Or, you know, I only, I, I'm leaking, but, you know, I just went through menopause and that's just what happens. I'm here to tell you that that's not the truth. 
just because something common is not does not make it normal and there is help out there and you can be strong confident pain-free um and be able to live the life you were meant to live and we want to give you that okay so Hopefully this was helpful for you guys. If you have more questions, check us out at thetummyteam.com. Our website is just ton, has a ton of resources for you. It's filled with education and then there's a way to reach out to me personally or to our team and we can answer your questions. Okay. All right. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Tummy Team Journey. Thank you for joining us today at the Tummy Team Journey Podcast. The Tummy Team is committed to validating your story, providing you with relevant practical education to understand your body, and offering effective solutions to live the life you were meant to live. Check out thetummyteam.com to get more information about how we can help you specifically and see if one of our online programs is right for you. You can also follow the Tummy Team on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube to get tips, encouragement, and support.